We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. <laughs> ha, ha, ha. Oh, you thought my jokes were bad. Welcome to the Halloween edition of the DGD podcast. Robert, Juan, Kobe. Boy, I'm telling you right now, we moved the show back just one hour and what an hour can do for content. Um, breaking news, this literally just happened probably two minutes ago. Brian Harson is gone at Auburn and also... Uh, if you see, I'm dressed up in my boogeyman costume because apparently we're in Cox, uh, Florida. Um, just going to leave that there. There's a lot to discuss. Uh, what does this mean for, for Georgia? Um, let, we'll talk about that in a little bit. We'll also talk about, um, right, review the uh, cocktail party for that matter too. And we will be releasing our first, I guess you could say first annual DGD uh, CFP rankings. Uh, in advance for uh, the actual, right, tomorrow being released Tuesday uh, night. Uh, but first off, Juan, Kobe, welcome back. Uh, it was a good weekend for dog fans. Yes, sir. Yes, it was. Always great to beat them Gators. <laughs> hey, um, so Swolders, if y'all didn't catch Swolders, he evolved Wednesday into the incredible bulk. We we are now back to seeing uh, Clark Kobe here. Um but I want to start off with Juan first. You have some Auburn ties. Um, what does this mean for Brian Harson, or for Auburn for that matter? Well, I mean, Harson was a train wreck anyways. They should have got rid of him last year, to be honest, uh, just to kind of start the whole program. But I tell you what, man, you know, um, they're, they're, you know, from a recruiting standpoint, from everything else, I mean, we all know what kind of crap show Auburn had going on. Um, and, and, and so they now have to be in search for, you know, uh, that, that, that new Billy Napier type guy, um, you know, at least Billy Napier, I think, even though they got smashed last weekend, he's at least trying to do some things just to kind of you know change the culture, change the program. And Auburn's going to have to try to do something like that. Um, you know, they should still be kicking themselves for, for firing Gus Malzahn. Um, but, uh, you know, hey, they, they got to bring it on themselves. Harson will now go and he'll continue to get paid. He'll continue to, you know, to run that crap show that he has. And also, too, um, you know, they're also in search of, uh, you know, that, that AD as well. So, um, and I heard that they were talking to Mississippi State's AD. So we'll, we'll that, see how that went official right before um, Harson got fired. So, so that makes sense. That, that, then, that, then that chain of events lines up perfectly. Yeah. It's like Elon and Twitter, right? We just kind of know how it goes. But, you know, I'm looking at it this way, right? Like, I don't know, right? Obviously, Juan, you brought up perfectly. They, they probably should, they're probably still slapping themselves in the head because they let go of miles on. With, with what happened this offseason, though, I don't really know a, a competent head coach that wants that job, knowing what's in between. Where, where they're lying in between, you are literally in the middle of Alabama, right? You're, you're to the west, and then to the east, you've got Georgia. You're, you're having to battle in recruiting every year. You play them every year. 
nobody, in my opinion, nobody wants that damn job unless you're trying to prove something. Even uh, Dion, even Dion made a comment to say he was not interested. He said, "Why, you know, why would I go to Auburn, suffer for two years, and then end up being out of there?" So, yeah, uh, I mean, no. he gets it. He gets it. Like, but at the same time, let's be real here. I don't feel bad for Auburn fans because one, you decide to root for that fucking program anyway. But two, as long as your boosters are there, you're you're never going to get that guy to get you to the next level. You just won't. I guarantee you, if they let, if the boosters just cease to exist, just hypothetically cease to exist, there's a chance that you can get somebody that's with some competency there, and, and to have some some longevity too. You know, again, we, we go back to, you know, when they had Tommy Tuberville, and they were already trying to get another guy in there. Then Tommy Tuberville yeah. was undefeated with Cadillac, and and uh, and you know, in that group. You got a guy in Chiswick that goes and wins you a national championship, and then a couple of years later he's out of there, only to be replaced, you know, by Malzahn, who takes him to a national championship, and then of course a couple of years after that they get rid of him. So it's almost like you 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 can't win for losing if 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 you're an Auburn coach, which again shows why they're such a crap show right now. Not my fucking team, I'll tell you that. Gubby, what are your You froze. You froze up. You said, "What are you?" Man. Yeah. Well, now, now, now you're saying, "What are your thoughts, Kobe?" On I'm miming. I'm. If you didn't know, I'm miming. All right. All good. What are your thoughts on the Harvard situation? God. I mean, I'm with y'all. I think that that Gus Malzahn had. You know, was he a perfect coach? No. Was he? You know, all these things. No. But the way you had it set up. Every other year by playing Georgia and Alabama, home and home, away and away. Every other year, Gus gave you a chance by playing those guys home and home, you know, to, to win a few of those games maybe he wasn't supposed to win. Now, yes, did he have trouble playing in Athens? Yes. But, I mean, a lot of coaches do. Did he have trouble playing in Tuscaloosa? Yes, but a lot of coaches would too. But the years that he had Alabama and Georgia at home, I mean – the man was like six and six, six and seven all time against Nick Saban, something like that. I mean, basically, it was splitting years with Nick Saban. There aren't many coaches out there, including our own, that can say that at this point in their career that you're splitting every other time you play Nick Saban, you're winning the game. Heck, so, he won with Bo Picks, yeah. you know, at, at the helm. So that that that's saying a lot. I mean, he yeah, he, he definitely, you know, did he have those great years like? Every few years, yeah, for sure. Now, did he have really bad years after a while? Yes. But I think Brian Harson hiring showed just how much Gus was able to do over the years with maybe even less talent than a majority of the West. And and I think down at UCF, you're seeing that too. He's hard to beat down there right now. Um, but I agree with Juan. It, it's one of those programs – and we're in a weird time, I think, in young coaches of like what young coach is wanting to risk their career on turning Auburn around. You know, if you're having success somewhere at, at a small time school, why not wait until a, maybe an easier first, I had to say easier first job, but like a, a more a place where they want to see you succeed, unlike Auburn, where they're like, you better come in and win or you're gone. You know, you're the same way as Harson. I mean, he had a great career at Boise State. He comes in one year and they're like, yeah, we got to get this guy out of here. Yeah. Like, he, he signs he signs the contract papers. They're like, yep, all right, we fucked up. Yeah. So that's, that's how I, fast I that stuff that went, Sal. When you start having people like like Dion and, and coaches saying, yeah, if even if I get offered that job, I'm not going, it's like you might be doing something a little screwy on the back end. That, that just makes Auburn look, you know, not enticing. I mean, name a – like I said, name a competent head coach that wants to go up against Bama and Georgia and everything you do. Think about that. You have to deal with that every single year, 365 for that matter, 365 days a year, because, as Kirby told you, always be crewing, right? So you got to do yeah. that. Well, I, I, and I think, too, to, you know – if you do have a competent head coach, they want that challenge. So again, you you look at a, a Deion Sanders, 
he's somebody that he wants that challenge. However, when you're dealing with these boosters, when you're dealing with these guys behind the scene that's making it difficult and putting all that that pressure on you, why why do it? Why would you even want to risk that 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 opportunity? Again, you've got guys that were winning national championships and, and and having undefeated seasons only to get booted out just because of these boosters. And, and, and you know, it's, it, it, it's tough. And you're really starting to look at as the conference expands, in my opinion, like this, like last you've had LSU win one in 19, Bama win one in 20, Georgia win one in 21. You're well on your way to having probably another national champion this year in 2022. Like, at some point, as Auburn, you made the change late. Like, the curve is curving already in the SEC. You know, Tennessee has their man of the future. Florida thinks they now have their man of the future. Georgia has their man of the future. Bama has saved until he probably dies. You know, Arkansas is getting, yeah, yeah, getting a lot better with Sam Pittman. Lane Kiffin, even at Ole Miss, has made Nick it. Nick Saban's I mean, story is going to remind me of the Caddyshack guy that goes golfing in the rain with a perfect game and then dies on the 18th hole after he wins and he breaks his record. I'm just – that's what it feels like. But, I mean, he's going to coach. Into, like, it, there's no reason for him not to, I guess, at this point. But, but I just guess even, even as hard as the Auburn job is, you also are coming in at a time where all of these schools or almost all of these schools – have the guy that they're happy with over the next four years. Then when Auburn made that transition, they're looking at themselves going, oh, wow, but we hired Brian Harson, and now we're having to start over again. Yeah, I look at it this way. Like I said, ultimately, Harson's out of a job. I don't think he was ever given a fair shake to begin with. Um, you, you know, you take what Gus, Gus did, right, and then you, you basically bring in somebody else. By the time he even got a chance to even think about getting new players in, you know, you're like I said, you're down boosters, man. They actively go and try to find calls so you can get them out. Like well, a lot, a lot of that was on him too. So I talked to Bobo, and you know, when I went up at Georgia the last time I was up at Georgia, and he just said it was just basically a crap show, and he was happy to get out of there. And there were other guys that were well, happy. Mason, Mason left for Oklahoma State D.C. job. Yeah, exactly. less. Right, right. So they were yeah. happy to get out of there. So, you know, it, it's a culture. So when your culture is bad, when the environment is bad, so it was almost destined to fail anyways. And, you know, you got Harson. that's a guy, you know, he's got that success at Boise State. And he's coming over and he just doesn't understand. And that was one of the things that Bobo said. It was like, you don't understand what it's like to recruit in the Georgias and the Alabamas and in, in the South. It's completely different than what you get, you know, up, up in that Boise area where you have guys that are just happy just to get an, a scholarship offer. And then you've got guys here in the South that they're choosing. They're just like, ah, eh, I'm going to put about four or five up here, you know, and, 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 and just run with it. They don't have that opportunity up, up that way. Yeah. And I think a big thing too of about that is like, I think a big indicator on how he's doing is, you know, what is it? They haven't taken an offensive lineman recruit out of high school in like three or four recruiting cycles. I mean, like Auburn recruiting is in the toilet. Like they better enjoy the guys they have now because they don't have a tank big speed. Dude, they don't even, they're not any even of those guys like, coming anybody. in anytime soon. Like, this, I mean, honestly, though, this might help with recruiting in a sense because they're not getting nobody because they knew it was only a matter of time. When I, and I don't know if you guys remember, like right before that recruiting cycle or right before it ended in signing day, that they had a lot of promise. And then all of a sudden, all of these guys just started falling by the wayside. And it went looked like they were going from like an A plus to like an F minus, like just just like that. And, you, you know, that that's a that's a pretty telling thing about what your what your program is going to be. And so they're they're trending to the to the Vanderbilts, you know, to the. To you know, to to that side as far as recruiting, because nobody wants to go to Auburn. Nobody wants well, to go these, there. Go there. These play. kids are these kids are getting smarter too with social yeah. media. With you know, almost the anti-recruiting. There, you know, you go to a kid and you go, "Are you really worth willing to gamble your four years of eligibility on a man that may not be there by the time you step on campus in January?" You know, they've been talking about firing this guy since six months in. Are you yeah. really willing to gamble? you know, committing and showing up there just to have a whole different man, 
you know, be your head coach. And then yeah. you got to transfer. Then you got to move. Then you got to make, you know, all these transitions. Or you can just come here and we'll take care of you right out of the gate. Well, yeah, that, summer was, that summer was tough for him. I mean, that with all that, you know, that speculation, the scandals and all that thing that was going on, that was that that was really, really telling. And, you know, it, it's funny because Auburn has their new AD and then you can best believe they already have their head coach right now. It's just a matter of letting the dust settle. They'll throw out a couple of names and say, oh, well, we're looking at such and such or we're looking at such and such. But they already have their guy. And that's just yeah. how Auburn is. I mean, they well, just are are dirty like that some insider scoops told me who the i think the next man will be um it'll be pastor uh dan down at tabernacle baptist apparently that'll be the guy because they're gonna need a fucking miracle to fix that team uh, yeah. all i'm saying is the new ad is from mississippi state and there's a former mississippi state coach without a job out there somewhere in the i, I, I still don't buy that shit I hope whoever takes that job at Auburn has all the failure in the world, especially at Georgia. Just saying, especially you're, talking about, Georgia. you're talking about a clown show. Who else to run except the head clown himself? Who is, who's that? He's, he's doing a good job of analyst right now. So Dan Mullen. Uh, Dan Mullen? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, that, that would be – I mean, don't count. I would say don't count him out early in the in the job hunt. Uh, and, and if they did, that would just be Auburn Auburning. Is, yeah. is basically give it give it to Takia Spikes. He makes good judgment calls. <laughs> not yeah. saying. I mean, not saying Dan would be top of the list, but I would just definitely think that. Heck, I, I think they probably bring in Sylvester Croom before they. Sixty thirty three said he'll walk on down there. Give him the hat, Kobe. Yeah, yeah. Give him the hat. He'll walk on and be the head coach and job. I guarantee you they'll take a uh, walk on tryouts. Yeah, but look at Darius said. You know, basically from how the alumni run it, they should just hire them. You know, the, themselves, and then that way they would have them. They'd have their own self to blame. Really, I mean, I, I would. We I, I, I the would people. That's what that's what that means. We the people. Yeah. It's like it's like Green Bay, except without a head coach. Yeah. They're yeah. just owned they're just owned by the boosters. Okay. It'll just be the, the, the people's coach. Maybe, maybe then, you know, we can get some clarity, right? The who are you's will become either the Tigers for real or the War Eagles, right? Maybe that's the case. I'm yeah. just gonna leave that there. You know, listen, enough about these poverty programs. Let's talk about another one. Um, Georgia just handles Florida. Uh, to the point where I think it's literally spooky season because Brent Cox was dismissed from the team. Uh, and I'm going to pull up a graphic, and I'll read it for those on podcast, listening on podcast. Gators Online, basically Billy Napier confirmed the report from Gators Online Monday afternoon, or I guess at this point Monday morning or whatever. Uh, Brent literally quoted was saying, Brenton, we kind of decided to move on here, uh, said Napier. Uh, I think that being a football player at the University of Florida is a privilege there are certainly expectations that come with that. Obviously, he's done a lot of good things for the University of Florida, and we wish him nothing but the best. But sometimes you have to make decisions with or in the best interest of the team. With Brenton, we're certainly going to do everything in our power to help him. Um, listen, I'm just telling you right now. I don't know. I don't know what caused him to be dismissed, but I'm curious if he probably got mad when. Broderick Jones and Kenny McIntosh ran his ass over into the end zone. Cause I saw a punch. I don't know if y'all did. I don't know if y'all caught that, but um, when Kenny McIntosh broke off of that, when he scored, yeah. I don't know if you saw that punch toward Broderick. Cause that, that shit was like blatantly obvious. Um, looked about as bad as Michigan state uh, team players, but we're not going to talk about that today. Um, you know, what are y'all thoughts on Brent Cox leaving? Do y'all have anything to say about that? I mean, I, I'll be sure with it. I mean, you know, I know why I got kicked off at Georgia. And, I mean, that at some point, unless you change your ways, that just isn't going to be accepted at any major Division One university. And especially um, as a senior, as an older guy, as someone that you're looking towards for, for leadership and things like that, um, you know, at some point, you, you have to move on and wash your hands of him. He wasn't your recruit, and you're trying to build something in the right way. And, uh, you know, I think I think Napier is – that's the statement from Napier, basically, is that, 
you know, we'll, we'll go a different direction. We thank you for everything you've done, but we just can't have you here in this locker room anymore. Yeah. So, I mean, sounds to me like he was a problem in the locker room and honestly, Florida might be better because of that. I'm not going to right? like, in my opinion, I think they probably did. Um, you know, it's not like he was going to break the sack record of Florida anyway, like he wanted to, but, um, you know, listen, I'm also going to bring this up because the day uh, the J O double G asked, she says, I see zero costumes. <laughs> Actually, you see three. Uh, we're all boogeymen, um, especially for Florida. I'm just going to leave that there. Uh, we are the boogeyman. Okay. That's, that's our costumes. It's that simple. Uh, you know, listen, you see this ugly mug right here. I don't have to dress up, dude. This is every day is Halloween. Okay. Um, Rudes is here. Uh, he's laughing. That's his thoughts. I can't be more happy with that response, Rudes. Just going to leave that there. Um, yes, exactly. Um, listen, let's talk about this cocktail party, man. Um, what else is there to say other than it was an ass whipping that we shouldn't have even let them get back into it? Um, Juan, I want to ask you this. Overall takeaways, right? I think there was a lot to be, I guess you could say, a lot to be uh, happy about, but there was also some things that, could, you know, to be desired. Uh, what were your takeaways from this game Saturday? Well, first off, Roots called it. I mean, Dejan did just, did just Dejan things. I mean, he was an absolute monster. And, uh, you know, we, we ran the football well. My, you know, you take away the fumble. And uh, we actually did a great job of running, running the football. And um, and even throwing the football, except for the you know you know Stetson had a couple of you know some some bad misses. He kind of looked a little bit out of sorts, especially in that first half. But you know what though, uh, at the end of the day, in that second half, when we needed to put the game away, they were able to do that. So um, you, you know, I, I just think uh, that that that's the biggest takeaway. First and foremost, a couple of things we got to clean up. We got to. An, an eager freshman back, you know, in the secondary who I picked, you know, the, to be that breakout player, you know, he bid on that, you know, bid on a play. And then, um, you know, you had a guy take off, but outside of that, you know, I, I'm, I'm ready. I'm just glad that we got this game behind us. We smashed Florida like we were supposed to. And, uh, you know, we're getting ready to, to take on a, a Tennessee team. Kobe, what were your takeaways? I just want to touch on, I see Eric commenting about, you know, got to cut down the interceptions. Like, it, it was one bad interception. The other one to Dom, I mean, it hits Dom right in the hands and he just loses the fight. Coming that down DB made ground, an excellent but, play. I have to give that credit I mean, I, in all seriousness. That was a beautiful ball, play from that defensive back. You know, and I agree. There were some misplaced balls at times. You know, I mean, the, the and touchdown he threw one too, like right to a Florida guy. He just dropped it. Thank goodness. So, yeah. you know, I, I, that, I wasn't, that wasn't the pass in, was it? The pass to Bowers even is behind him. That's a pick anywhere else. That's a pick yeah. anywhere else. Yeah. So he definitely had his issues. But I mean, we also didn't help him sometimes, um, you know, with some drops, some key drops. I mean, Darnell caught a big one pretty wide open, and so did Lad. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. you just really – that's actually probably 100 yards and, you know, probably at least two more field goals, if not a touchdown on the field goal. Um, but, you know, going into this week, and we'll talk about it more Wednesday – and, and like Patrick's saying, you know, we, we cannot give the ball up three times in one game and expect to, to dominate people. And and that's just something, you know, the fumble was unfortunate. I really thought um, Kenny McIntosh ran extremely mad after that point in the game. I mean, he was running physical downhill, tackle me if you can, drag Brenton Cox into the end zone. Like, he looked impressive. It, it almost is like it woke him up a little bit, so – you know what else, though? I don't know if y'all saw that, but I don't know if you saw this, but there was a clip of Branson Robinson where the starting safety just comes out of like a bat out of hell and <laughs> coming straight at Branson. And Branson just goes, boop, and just sits my man straight down, looking like he tried to dive and got stiff armed by God because he was just, he runs, dives, bam, stiff arm, like basically just goes like a GTA 5 kind of guy going, Wasted. <clears throat> um, I, I thought that was impressive too. Listen, the thing about it is though, to get three turnovers, right? We gifted them three turnovers, if you will, and still beat them by 22 points over 500 yards of offense and doing it balanced. It wasn't like a 400, 100 type thing. You had 300, and, I think like 316 yards of passing 
You had over 200 yards rushing. That's the kind of performance you need against Tennessee. I think you might want to see a little bit more balance toward the run, but you definitely have to eliminate those turnovers. Stetson Bennett, I've I've been on the train all season, but you got to stop being careless with the football. I felt like there were times where he could have handed the ball off and just sit there and pulled it with the RPO, threw the ball and said what he didn't need to. If I'm not mistaken, Kirby even got onto him a little bit about it. Like you're you're going to need to be careful with the football, make plays, but you you can't give the ball up like that. Uh, you know, listen that like I said that play from the DB on that end of, at that first interception. Give him credit because that was a beautiful pick. That was a catch until right before the damn ball hit or right before Blaylock hit the ground. That's a catch. Ball couldn't have been in a better spot. Guy just made a play, but you saw the Bowers catching as 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 wild as that was. If you really want to break it down, that should have never been thrown. And if it was, and if it was supposed to be thrown, it was a terrible placement. I'm not going to sit here and just bash them, but you've got to make the right decisions, especially in a game with the magnitude that's coming into Athens this week. You can't afford to kind of make those. opinion yeah but he's too old for that i mean listen him and hinden hooker are both 25 if i'm not mistaken this this might be the the wands what i heard one (laughs) like Juan was a senior and and stetson was uh as a freshman you know what i mean so like yeah not necessarily mad about it but you know you've had a you know you're you're basically eight games in I, i need to see more precision and care being more careful um it's just to me that's what happens but i'm still not going to be pissed off about the performance you've been about 22 i'm not going to be the person sitting here and, and saying you know and bashing our team that'd be silly of me and you shouldn't we be, just, because you can ask juan how it was in the 90s and if yeah. you're taking 22 point win over the gators at any point in time anytime in any win in any if we were to struggle one every single game, I, we would have been jumping up and down and, and super excited. And, one, and one of that's the what our with, fan base has to realize when you see Kirby and all the guys jumping in the crowd and celebrating after the game is like, yeah, yeah were there things we did bad? Were there things we could do better? Yes. But like, it's still a big win. It's still a, a, the kind of team that from like the 90s to like 2012, you only beat them four times. Enjoy you know, I'm, I'm looking at it this way too, though, Kobe. I, aren't we aren't we fortunate as a fan base to have a head coach that's a Georgia guy and understands the Florida the rivalry? You know that that's important because there not a single day goes by that they don't think about the cocktail party. So you know, especially leading into this game of Tennessee, that it wasn't going to get overlooked. Well, it's always important, too, because, you know, it's personal to him. I'll never forget one of the first times we played Georgia Tech, and I think in like 17 or 18, and and he was like, the last game I ever put on a Georgia helmet at home was against Georgia Tech, and they beat us, and they tore up the hedges on senior day. He goes, I'll never forgive them for that, ever. Until the day I die, I will always hate Georgia Tech, no matter who the coach is, no matter what their record is. I will always want to beat them because they took senior day from me. That's just personal. Yeah. I mean, listen, and it's, it's like MJ, and I took that personal. Yeah. You know, he, he's been a fan too long to be negative about, you know, how good they're playing under Kobe or Kirby. And I'll tell you, one of the things that I loved um, is, is, is um, they showed uh, Munkin in the booth after they scored a touchdown and his excitement. And, you know, just and, and, and you're already smashing this team. You're already beating them to death and you're still showing excitement to, to me. I, I just I, I just love it as a as a as a Georgia fan. I'm, I get re-energized when I see that type of stuff. So, I, I you know, it, it, it's it's awesome. Sorry, I had to give the chef's kiss to Eric Johnson's comment. Georgia Tech is booty juice. Absolutely. <laughs> chef's kiss on that comment. Um, motivated, dedicated, says dogs go 15 and 0. Listen, you might want to tune back in Wednesday because this is going to be the – listen, I mean, one and two – I'm just going to bring this up very, very briefly. One versus two has never happened in Sanford Stadium history. It's happened Saturday, folks. I'm just going to let you know it's going to be absolutely bonkers. 
just going to leave that there. Juan might even show up in his no spike ass cleats and sit yeah. there and make the play. Watch, yes, it's sir. coming. It's Another coming. Helmet it out. I mean, look, he thought he came from the Chick Fil A press. Nah, that's the real thing. That's that's one. That's Juan Daniel's helmet. All right, that, that kickoff. Nah, that's his. That's his helmet. He just was generous and donated it. That's what exactly. it is. Exactly. But <laughs> sorry, but if, if you don't know, if you can't hear him, I'm losing my voice a little bit. Uh, it's been a wild weekend. If you're leaving it there, <laughs> simple as that. Uh, Rue says that we're undefeated in our second year after winning the Natty on the uh, on the prep, uh, precipice of being a precipice of being a dynasty. Excuse me. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's a good chance. Listen, if if things happen like that, there's a good chance that that could happen. You know, that could be a true talking point, perhaps. Right, a good debate coming up out of that. Um, and also, I think Pat brings up a good point. You know, it's serious when Kirby already goes on Twitter and says that we need, you know, we need Dog Nation Saturday. That he's calling the dogs literally. And with that being said, I'm telling you right now, Saturday, I can already assure you, Kobe, if I'm not mistaken, you were at this game. 2019 uh, Notre Dame is going to look small. It's going to it's going to get dwarfed in comparison to what's going to happen at 3:30 Saturday. I just think that um, you know, like you're saying, one versus two, uh, and 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 we, I think we all, and not to spool our our um, rankings here that we're going to do in a minute, but I think we all have a pretty good idea that there's a good chance that when the CFP rankings come out tomorrow night, that you know. Tennessee's staring number two kind of in the in the face at this point. So, um, you know, I think before the biggest game ever um, was back in the 80s with Juan, I think it was like three versus five, Auburn and Georgia maybe in 1983, something like that. Hold on, um, hold on. 1980, listen, he was already alumni at that point, right? Am I wrong? Yeah, yeah. Juan, Juan was a GA at the time. Oh, oh, that's, oh, that's what it was. Room. Okay. You just like you're saying though, and and I can think of a few in my lifetime of like the Notre Dame game was a top ten matchup. I'll never forget 2014 LSU was one of the loudest times I've ever been in that stadium. Six versus nine, and um, you know it it it's gonna have a completely different feel to it. Well, and just like you, I mean, remember when when uh, last year Arkansas, when they just said how it, it was insane. Then you could you could absolutely, absolutely believe and know that it's going to be absolutely crazy. And 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 for any for any fan out there that doesn't think that matters, I mean, you look at Tennessee beating Alabama at Tennessee, you know. If you play that game in Alabama, it probably has a completely different outcome. So don't tell me us playing at home doesn't have an impact on how this game may or may not go. It does. I mean, it does. Yeah, I mean, I think we'll talk more about that Wednesday. Uh, you know, we talked about Tennessee being number two, which should lead us into a perfect transition period here, guys. Uh, let's talk our first annual, first ever for that matter, DGD CFP poll. And with that being said, we're going to take a quick break. And on the back side of this, we're going to break down our poll. So stick, stick around and stay tuned. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
right, folks. It is time for the CFP rankings, according to all three of us here. Uh, this is not our prediction, but if we were, you know, if we were the rank committee or whatever, this is how we would set up the top 25. If we were getting paid to do this, this is what it looked like. Absolutely. That's the key there. That's the key. Um, before we get started, I do want to go back to a good comment here. Um, Eric also says he'd like to see Carson Beck get some gar uh, playing time, dirge garbage times when we're up a couple scores. Yeah, to your point, Eric, like so far when we have the ability to do that, I, I am on board with that. I, I do think, you know, when we're able to get into that situation, you know, we've talked about this before. I'm, I'm super excited to see Carson Beck operate the offense effectively and actually not sit there, just hand the ball off as in your, you know, as in recent memory. So, you know, I, I do believe that, you know, that's something to keep note of, um, especially moving forward with maybe some games toward the uh, back half of the season, especially after Tennessee. Um, so we'll get into this comment here. James C says he believes Tennessee could jump us in the rankings tomorrow. Um, and with that being said, this brings us to our rankings. Uh, we'll kind of keep a graphic up here and there just to kind of, you know, for viewers, but we'll walk you through the graphic uh, for those listening on podcast. We'll start with the top four. It's going to go this order right here. Give me Georgia at one, Tennessee at two, Ohio State three, Michigan at four. I think you have to look at Tennessee's resume so far has been excellent. And the way they've handled their resume in my opinion, is enough to jump Ohio State. Obviously, if the AP rankings have them at tied for second, give us – I think we can all agree here, Juan, Kobe, that the, the resume uh, will put them in the second spot. I don't see them going over number one. I, I just think, especially Georgia, what we just did, um, I, I think you – I think there's no reason for us to not be first. Um any comment there with those uh, top four folks? Uh, I really just think that the Tennessee is the hot hand. It, it's the golden, they're the golden child right now in college football. Everybody in the media, everybody on ESPN, and all the broadcasters are just really enjoying talking about them. But but at the end of the day, if we're talking about, and you hate to say like your logo holds some weight you are the reigning, defending, undefeated national champions. You are one, in my opinion, until you're not. Just It's just kind of how it is sometimes. If you were Alabama and they were 8-0 and they were undefeated and reigning national champions, you're one until you're not. And, and at some point, I could see the football playoff committee saying, they're one, they're two, and after this weekend, we will actually see who's one and who's two. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you on there. Juan, what do you have to say about the top four? Um, you know, I, I agree with the, the top four. Um, you know, but going back to, to James's comment, if, if you know, if, if we're honest, Tennessee's actually beat more ranked teams than Georgia has. So that's something that they would probably put into, you know, kind of factor in on who's done the most versus versus ranked teams. You know, you, you beat the big, bad Alabama, you know, at, at, at home. But again, I, I'm with Kobe. You're you're the champion until you're not. And, uh, uh, you know, if, if anything, you know, people will probably knock us for that Missouri game. But what they don't truly understand is when our backs were against the wall, we went down and scored and then we do what champions do. And that's the biggest thing right there, no matter what happens. And everybody's going to give us their best shot. Missouri gave us everything that they had. But at the end of the day, you know what, you're either elite or you're not, and we show that we're elite. So until we are knocked off, there should be no reason why we shouldn't be number one. And people forget that Tennessee played Pitt at Pitt in a seven-point game. I mean, Pitt's like four and four in the ACC right now. You know, they're just as bad as Missouri is, yep. and it took Tennessee the whole game to beat them. So, it, took them I mean, to overtime. it took them to overtime, did it? Yeah. yeah. So it's like, you know, not saying that, not taken away. I mean, their Alabama wins a big win. Our Oregon wins a big win. But don't act like you didn't have a struggle win against a, a lesser opponent, no different than we did. It is well, hard every, to win away. 
Period. Every, everybody knows that the best quality win in the country so far to this day, and I don't see it being changed unless unless this unless we lose for some reason. Oregon's win against you know Oregon's win that we took on them right forty nine to three. That's the best quality win to this point by far. Not even close. Not even close. Yeah, and well, the the only other you know only difficult part to yeah we we the fact that we did beat Oregon, but you look at the Pac ten and the Pac ten is awful. I mean, they are just – they are Juan's, just – Juan's showing his age calling it the Pac-10. Or Pac-12, sorry. They're yeah, so right. bad. They're so up. bad Juan dropped a couple schools. Yeah, I did. I did. Yeah, well, Stanford shouldn't be in there it's as bad as they've been getting beat. But, yeah, yeah. so so, the, so that, that's the only thing that really that, – that truly hurts with, with that win because, you know, Oregon's going out there beating the brakes off of these Pac-12 schools. But, you, you know – Again, it, it, you know the game is going to be played on the field. I truly believe, obviously, this is going to be a Wednesday conversation that we just come out there and and, and show who we are. So I, I can't wait. So moving on to the so moving on five through eleven, you've got Clemson at five, Alabama at six, TCU at seven, Oregon in the eight spot, Ole Miss at the nine spot, the USC Trojans at the tenth spot, and UCLA at eleven. I think there were some good questions here um, between who should get that seventh spot, uh, TCU and Oregon. And ultimately we decided to go TCU. Um, Kobe, what, what are your, what is your justification for putting TCU in the seventh spot? Yeah, I think a big thing that we kind of discussed last night is, you know, Oregon's really been the hot hand. Um, Bo Nix, as much as we like to give him hell is, has really looked phenomenal um, since, since the Georgia game, and and TCU has won some games, but just not in quite of convincing fashion as as Oregon has. But I think um, I think we just end up giving them the nod, undefeated, and they still have a, a big meat part of their schedule left the next two or three weeks that really could show that you know are are they contenders or are they pretenders? Um, you know, September's for or October's for pretenders and. November's for contenders kind of thing is, you know, on Halloween of, of this week. Um, Rudes, <laughs> what's your justification for having sleeves on? It's cold in Athens, Rudes. It was cold that night, Willie. It was. <laughs> but no, so, you know, I'm looking at it this way. Both, honestly, both teams have a good chance to, to be conference champions, right? Um, you look at, right, you look at Clemson at the five spot. Unfortunately, I don't see them getting beat unless they beat themselves. Uh, you know, Alabama, the verdict's still out there. Obviously, you look at one through four, these teams are about to play themselves, right? Tennessee and, and Georgia are playing this week. End of the year, you've got Michigan and, and Ohio State. So there is a good chance you see one of these teams slide up in and right and fall into that playoff spot. Uh, but we'll see what happens as the – as the year progresses through, uh, yeah, you know, absolutely. I think that, that, you know, if you look at Clemson, obviously they're going to be they're going to stay there at that at that five spot. They'll go up because again they're in the ACC. But if you look at down the line at that five through eleven, I don't see Clemson beating any of those guys. I really don't. If 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 you match up a TCU, Alabama, they don't beat Oregon. They won't beat Ole Miss. They won't beat USC or UCLA. Uh, the, the, you know. Here's a Clemson team that struggled against Syracuse, and then Syracuse just got beat by a really bad Notre Dame team. That Notre that really bad Notre Dame team got beat by a really really bad Stanford team. So I, I know I just kind of went down the road there, but I, I'm just you know I'm I'm just saying that because they're in the ACC, because of the rest of their schedule, they're going to be sitting there pretty high. And I, I think that you know when we get to a college uh, football playoff, they're going to get blown out. Well, well, it's the classic Clemson problem, which you know you hate to hate to pick on the ACC, but it's just like they survived their scare against Wake, and you know, and after that, smooth sailing. Yeah, for you know, they're just at some point Dabo recruits so well that their depth just always ends up showing up late in games. It's not that they're great; it's that. When you're Clemson and you have five stars across the board and you're playing Syracuse, sooner or later, you're just better. Your bad is still better than Syracuse. So, I mean, I agree there. The best chance 
we have is by some miracle like Clemson losing to UNC in the ACC championship game. But then I think it, it brings in a new problem because at that point UNC will only be a one-loss team and the ACC champion. So It's going to be interesting. Listen, apparently we have no Halloween spirit, no Swolder spirit. I beg to differ there, J-O-double-G. I'm just going to leave that there. Jason Momoa taking out the sleeves. There you go. There you go. Um, so we'll br- so obviously we went through five through eleven. Let's look at twelve through um, twelve through eighteen. Kansas State at twelve, Illinois at thirteen, LSU the Bayou Bengals fourteen, Utah at fifteen, Chap- uh, the Tar Heels of uh, UNC sixteen, Oklahoma State seventeen, Penn State eighteen. Uh, I think the key takeaway here is where did you know looking at this. You have 12 through 14, and actually 12 through 15 for that matter, could have went a multitude of ways, uh, but we ultimately decided to go this route. Uh, you know, looking at Kansas State, Kansas, you cannot overlook what Kansas State just did to Oklahoma State, which is why Oklahoma State is where they are. Illinois is playing. That was an absolute beatdown. Like that. No, that was. That was. That was. I don't even know what is. I don't even know what analogy to say. Like. They just got like eradicated, like it was bad, um, you know. But then Illinois, Illinois in the Big Ten has been playing some solid defense, winning games. Uh, you look at LSU, right? It had a bye week, uh, so we kind of kept them close here. But you know, LSU looking like a good team, right? Handled Florida the way they're supposed to, uh, on the road for that matter. So you have to take that into uh, into play there, you know. But then you look at like, Utah and and, Ch- and UNC. There's a good chance that you could see these teams side up a little bit as well. Uh, you know, I think obviously, like you mentioned, one UNC is basically set to play Clemson in the ACC championship game, which I think that could be an interesting game uh, because you know UNC is kind of getting their defensive squared away. Like if you watch them at the beginning of the season, their defense was non-existent. It non-existent. Mm-hmm. You know, they went, went to App and played sixty-point game or whatever. They gave up a lot of points to FAMU. I mean, they, they were bad. And I think yeah, that's still the reason we have them quite so high or low or however you want to do it in the rankings is is still at this point, you know, they were even up to this week, they were losing by 10 or 14 going in the fourth quarter, and they scored like 28 unanswered in the fourth quarter to win. But it's like sooner or later, that that kind of all runs out on you. If you're, if you're planning to win every game, you know, 58 to 55, like somebody's eventually going to have the answer for that. Yeah, then we wrapped out, right? Then we'll go back here. We wrapped up uh, 17 and 18. Oklahoma State, Penn State, right? Penn State's not, I don't know whether to look at Penn State as a team that's just, they ran through a gauntlet with Michigan and Ohio State. I don't really know what to make of that, but they got like, they, they got obliterated by Michigan. And then at home, you know, they actually played a good game against Ohio State. I actually were leading at halftime. Uh, and then in yeah, the fourth quarter. For, for most of the game. I mean, if, if, if you know, James Franklin kicks a field goal at one point in time, he's up by seven. And, yeah. you know, and you got some momentum. But, you know. Right. I, I, um, you know, my wife's from Pennsylvania. Her dad played at Penn State. So I've been watching them for – a few years now and the best the best description I can have of Penn State and their program is they're almost like that late Mark Rick era team where it just seems like they do all these things so well except win. Like they yeah. they just are really, really good and they beat these good teams, but then when it comes to beating, you know, one of the elites like you know, Ohio State where you're leading, it's like he panics, they panic, and it all just kind of crumbles down around them. And, you know, we've talked about that on his road record. I mean, he's like 17 and 16 all time in the Big Ten on the road. I mean, that's just – for them to have paid him as much as they did this offseason, I really thought that his job was kind of um, hanging in the balance going into last offseason and the fact that he got the – um, extension quite as long and as much money as he did. I think they'll regret that in the next year or two. 
so we have to be, we have to take a quick break uh, in between our rankings here. Uh, to we have to note what's going on in the brigade right now. Uh, there's an excellent question that poses. Uh, I think our opinion here, guys. Rudes asked. He's taking bets on the next D two school that takes Cox next. Bryn Cox. Um, I've got well, negative well, it, two. It actually started with Dog Day Afternoon, where he said, "As soon as I declare Cox my favorite Gator, they dismiss him." <laughs> this is true. Listen, my. I'm putting money on last chance you. Um, that's just my thoughts there. Um, Pat says he'll take that team from Drumline that Adonis was talking about, uh, Atlanta A&T. Um, you know, listen, maybe he go, maybe I hope he don't, but maybe he goes to uh, NC A&T, uh, even though he just missed Jiho. Um, just letting that know there. For, for Golden Angeles, for those that watch All American, um, there's Gold, Golden Angeles. He's going to go play for Kilmer's Coyotes. How about that? <laughs> I like to call by Rude's little UCF action, but I think I think he'll declare. I don't. I think he's played his last yeah. snap of college luck, football. Man. Ain't nobody going to want your ass, but that's neither here nor there. Let's get back onto this, folks. Listen, we talk about engagement. This is how you do it. You pose a question, we'll, we'll, we'll bring it up. I'm just going to let you know that there. Um, but listen, so moving on to the last the line here, 19, we have Tulane. The green wave 20 uh liberty with hugh freeze uh might be somebody to kind of keep an eye out for uh with auburn and realistic you know realistically might be a name there but you know neither here nor there um wake force at 21 syracuse at 22 we moved texas into the top 25 at 23 and rounding out the 25 you have ucf at 24 nc state at 25. I, th I think the main question here is there's probably two of them right here. First off, why did we put Liberty at 20? And why did we put Texas at 23? So let's go ahead and jump into that right there. We'll start with Liberty. Liberty's played an excellent schedule and, and winning games, winning big games. And, and I think, you know, there's a good chance that, you you know, they I, I feel like they deserve the 20 spot. Kobe, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, we discussed it, you know, yesterday. Um, I think Liberty, Liberty and their coach are just are playing good football right now. And you know, it, it, to me, you give. I think about you play these games on neutral sites, and and who you, who would you think would win? And that to me, that's how rankings should go. Is like number one should be favored on a neutral site against everybody else. You know, I think that's a big reason. Just kind of transitioning into why I. While we all agreed to put Texas there, is like I think even Texas is one of those teams that you know they really suffered with the loss of um, their starting quarterback. You end up losing that Alabama game, and then you lose another game while Houston, while um, I think it's Hudson Card is your quarterback. You know, you're looking at those could have easily both been wins. You know, yes, they come out later and drop another game with um, you know Quinn, but it, if you can't tell me that if Texas and Syracuse played at a neutral site tomorrow that you wouldn't think Texas would probably win. And and at some point, even if they have three losses, you know, that's part of the reason they're being punished and being like 23rd, 24th in the country. But that offense is just so much for so many schools ahead of them, even still in the top 25. But – I mean, and, and I think the I think the football committee will reflect that tomorrow as well. They'll say that they're just really hard to beat at full, you know. Like if everybody's healthy, it's hard to beat. Full, I'm trying not to say a full mask. I see what you did there. Um, so I think the interesting thing is right. Moving another thing is moving twenty five. NC State, right? Listen, I think defensively. They're playing good football, but when you lose your starting quarterback, it, it's just one of those things where, you know, I just don't feel confident in it, right? Like, well, actually, MJ Morris, who was the freshman, he actually brought him back, and uh, they ended up scoring 21 points at, at the end of the game. And, and I, I know of MJ. Uh, he and my son, they, they they played together. They're actually really good friends. And so um, Ashton said he was talking to him after the game, but – you know, you, you got a guy that just came in, he stepped in, they were down, you know, and, and, and came back and won that game. So don't be surprised if uh, NC State has like a new little spark uh, coming up. 
it very well might happen. Um, but if you're in the state of North Carolina, I'll tell you right now, if you're a Duke fan, if you're a Chapel Hill fan, ain't nobody give a damn about Wake or State. I'm just going to leave that there. That's a North Carolina thing. If you That's listen, and you'd have to know. State, state has a lot to prove, too. Like, you know, we talked about last night, they play Wake this week, and then they have two weeks of favorable schedule. You know, they play Boston College at home and then at Louisville before having to play UNC. So, I mean, you know, they beat Wake, and, you know, they could easily win those next two games. They could be, you know, on a four-win streak rolling into Chapel yeah. Hill at the end of the year. I mean, obviously this top 25 could look a lot different, right? If, you know, the the, the way you win, right, people look at that and might take too much out of it, right? Might make something that's not there. Because, like, let's be honest, you should not have even been close to Virginia Tech. And, you know, like Juan said, you had to come back and win that game. But at the same time, you find ways to win. Good teams find ways to win. So, you know, obviously you have a matchup with Wake Forest here. And I think that'll be telling for both programs, for that matter. Um, so, like I said, expect this to change because there's a lot of moving pieces that are about to so, uh, solve themselves. Um, but, yeah, that is our – and we'll pull it back up for p- folks watching. This is the DGD CFP poll, uh, the inaugural, if you will. Um, overall, like I said, there's a lot of games left to be played. Uh, you'll hear about them Monday, uh, Wednesday, I'll tell you that. Uh, but let's wrap this thing up. I think this is a good time to wrap things up. Uh, if you're a Georgia fan, you are sitting pretty right now. We're not even talking about Tennessee right yet. Not even talking about it. You watch two of your rival teams going through some going through some agony and suffering right now. Auburn just fires Brian Hartson. Ah, oh, good old Brenton Cox is an afterthought now. Probably going to last chance. You who knows? Maybe even like I said, he might be a he might be a Coyote next year. Who knows? You know. Let us speaking of. Let us know where you think you'll go, by the way, in the comments. Let us know. Or on Twitter. Just make sure you mention us, okay? Just let us know. I think it'll be fun to hear these comments, Juan and Kobe. I think this will be interesting. Yeah. I want to see I want to see where y'all think he goes. Where do y'all who do you think will be the next um Auburn head coach? If you had one guess, we're gonna wrap it up on this. If you had one guess who's gonna be the next Auburn head coach, Juan, who do you think it'll be? I'm going to steal Kobe's and I'm going to go with Hugh Freeze. Ah. Kobe, is that your answer too? Hugh Freeze or Dan Mullen? What do you think? I think both of them are good for Georgia fans. I think they like, um, what's his name, Kevin Steele on their DC a couple years ago that they wish that they had hired over. Um, Kevin Steele. Do what? Kevin Steele, I think, is – yeah, I, I, I think that that I think he has ties to the university, um, but you know you're gonna hear Dale McGee's name tossed around. You always do at Auburn for some reason. So, um, but I think Kevin Steele right now would be would be the man that that they try to go after first. But I like the Hugh Freeze. I mean, man's turned Liberty around, kind of turned his life around. You know, he was he was a nightmare to play at at Ole Miss. So. He'd be a tough. He'd be a tough coach to play against. I think at Auburn. Roots loves the Kevin Steele idea as well. Pat says he needs Mullen. This is very important. I'm still going to go Pastor Dan from uh, from Tabernacle Church. Just going to leave that there. Listen, they, like I said, Auburn needs a fucking miracle. I'm going to. I started off with that. I'm going to finish with that. Um, if I had to get an actual football coach, though, uh, give me give me. Um, hmm, Got to think of this one. Let me think. I'm going. I'm going. Group of five. Give me. Give me Chadwell. I think um, as my as crazy as it sounds, Chadwell would be interesting there. But I, even though I don't know if it will happen or not, no way they're going to gamble as much money and turn around on an unproven group of five coach again. Otherwise, they're just going to keep the cycle going. He'll be gone in tell, three tell years. Tell me. A, tell me a power five school that's actually going to go to. Tell me a power five coach that's going to go there. Oh, I agree. I'm just saying you, you might have to go get somebody that's not currently coaching. Might have to go mm-hmm. digging. Oh, don't say that. You might dig up some ghosts that you might not want. <laughs> Anyways, with that being said, listen, it's a damn good day to be a dog. All right. As simple as that. With that being said, make sure to uh, tune in Wednesday. Uh, but first, make sure to uh, go listen, go over to our website, dgdpodcast.com. Sign up with BetUS. Start making money today, folks. 
125% bonus. Use code DGD125 at checkout, right, when you start to make a deposit, and you'll get 125% sign-up bonus. All sports, all sports, not even just college football, all sports. So NFL, NBA right now, right? Like all these games, all these uh, World Series. Shit, we forgot about World Series. Um, all these going on right now. Listen, there's an easy way to make money. Check out BetUS. Uh, sign up today. Start making some money there. R- fuck, Rude's, Rude's got Willie Taggart. Willie Taggart. Oh, man. You, you, you <laughs> me out Not That's- Willie Taggart. But, Rude's, while you're here, get ready for Wednesday. <laughs> Yes, sir. Stop yes, teasing. Sir. Stop teasing. And Joel, we got that KTG Wi-Fi, so that's why our that's why our Wi-Fi has been amazing those last two shows. Swole Wi-Fi. That's what we have to have. <laughs> that's what we should call it. <laughs> We're gonna be howling like some damn werewolves tonight. But with that being said, have a great day. Tune in Wednesday, folks. Tune in Wednesday is gonna be a good show as always. Uh, Make sure to like, follow, subscribe where you're watching. Uh, give us a rate us, rate us on podcast wherever you listen. Uh, make sure you're following and tuning in there. With that being said, have a great day and go dogs. Go dogs. Go dogs. Y'all have a great Halloween.